Amen. It's such a wonderful to know that Jesus Christ came, he died and rose again and took away all our sins. It's a privilege, not a right, for us to be counted worthy in his presence. So this morning, as we embark on this journey that we started a few weeks ago, trying to pick out the key components of the creed, the apostolic creed. I want us to fasten our seatbelt, cast your mind back. I want you to take, your, take, a, take a deep breath because the Lord is doing something in our midst and we don't want to miss it. We want to be a partaker and we want to be a blessing to other people. And my prayer today is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came and did all those wonderful things on our behalf, will impact us in a way that we have never felt before in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the past few weeks, we started looking at the creed. And um, one thing that came out very quickly is the fact that the key components are things that you require faith to believe in. And when I read the Bible and I thought, if the people of that time struggled to come to terms, how much more today? And that is why Jesus was quick to say that greater things will those who have not seen me but will believe in me, greater things will they do. And I believe that that privilege to do greater things is something that we as the children of God and the body of Christ in 21st century should embrace with all our power, with all our might, with everything that God has given us. There's a lot of things I can apologize for, but there's one thing I hold no apology for, I will never apologize for believing in Jesus Christ. And I want you to take that to anywhere without apology. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he came, he died, and he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, and he seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again. So much assurance I have. Praise the Lord. When we look at it, one thing that came out is the creed itself, it symbolizes one thing. It's an action that believing in the Father, you know, you look at the beginning of the creed, you start by saying, I believe in the Father. You look at the Father, the God Almighty, who created heaven and earth, the Son who was born of the Virgin, 
born of a virgin, he died, he rose, he descended into heaven, uh, to, the, to hell, he ascended into heaven. He's coming back, he's communing with us. And it's, it's you know, the, it, it just doesn't take, you, you know, he could read a, a novel and just, you know, take years, all right, where someone is just reading what they think about. But when you look at the fact that the, all the components of the apostolic creed, every single line requires faith. It takes your understanding to a new level. And in, it, I realized quickly that without faith, the Bible says we cannot please God. And faith is the only currency, the legal tender that is spent in heaven. It's nothing you do without faith. It all works, just like Apostle Paul says. But today we're going to be looking at his ascension into heaven. And the creed is a confession that we make in its truest form. You know, it's, it's not one thing you say and you doubt. Oh, what does that really mean? Does, is that really true? But I thank God for Jesus today. And Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, uh, I'm going to read the message version. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Think about that. The Bible passage for today centers on the events that, that, that led to, the, to his ascension, the events that happened after his ascension, and we're going to look at what it means for us today. So I'm going to read the book of Acts, chapter 1, from verse 2 to 11. It says on here, Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, has given commandments unto the apostle whom he had chosen, to whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said, Ye have heard me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days ends. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put on his own power. But ye shall receive the power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Father, Lord in heaven, we thank you, and I pray, Lord Jesus, 
that the word of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts will be acceptable unto you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. See, after the death of Jesus Christ, you know, all his promises, you could easily consider them, you know, to be lies. Because that was him dead. That was everything gone. And you could, you could excuse the apostles for being scattered like haze in a tornado. Everyone going his own way. They've spent three and a half years with this man and suddenly that's him gone. Everything is told them suddenly is blank. Where do we go from here? That is why when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just take off and go to heaven. He could have done that. But he knew that he had to build them up again. It took him 40 days. Some he appeared to while they were fishing. Some on their way home. Some he instructed them to go and wait for him somewhere. Thomas doubted him. Until I stick my finger in that hole, I'm not believing it. That's to tell you how difficult it is at the state where these disciples were. And he appeared to them, fellowshipping with them was not just an accident. It was an act of building them back, telling them, I am here, I have risen, I've overcome death, and I'm going to the next stage. He's taking them, getting their faith back, letting them know that it is not over, even though it seems like right now. He walked, talked, and dined with them just to make sure and give them reassurance that his death was just the beginning. He prepared them for the tax ahead by telling them what to do. Their faith was rebuted because they can see him again. I mean, they witnessed him being hung on the cross witness him being buried and suddenly he can see him and they were not seeing a ghost he was physical they could touch him they could speak to him they ate with him they dined they, 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 they talked with him and that suddenly put a new spring on their steps and they were renewed with hope and they were ready to go again and I look at our, I looked I looked at us today and we're not so dissimilar from the disciples. What is it that you have lost hope in today? What situation is staring you in the eye, in the face, and you're thinking, there is no hope? Have you suddenly throw your hands in the air and say, well, I've given up? Brethren, I've got good news for you this morning. The same Jesus that said to his disciples, go and wait until you endure the power. He's saying to you today, be of good cheers, because the Redeemer liveth. Hang on, because he is coming. He's going to lift your head, because it's the, the Bible tells us he's the lifter of us, our head. Be it your health, be it your finances, be it your family. I mean, we've all been through uh, an un, uncharted, unprecedented 18 months. We were not prepared for it. 
and some of us are still struggling with it. But I come to bear you good news today that Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, is here. If only if you can let him in. If you can let him sort your problems out, he is more than willing. There is nothing too hard for him to do. Ephesians 3, verses, Ephesians 3, 1, verses 3, is a blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. His resurrection brought us back hope. His ascension makes his promises a certainty. His ascension brings about the release of those things that are overthrown or that holds the people in clutches of power that restrict the fullness of God in them. If Jesus had not ascended into heaven, there is no hope. But because he ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father, there is hope. Jesus Christ has been established as the king of the universe. And by ascending into heaven, Satan can do nothing about it. Think about that. The only thing Satan can do now is to eclipse us with situations and circumstances that don't let us see Christ and not to be able to go to where he is. If you're going through a problem, that is Satan's way of trying to direct your, your attention away from Christ. If your situation is untenable, you get to a point because we've been told that he is an old, wise devil that has a bag of tricks. Whatever you're going through, however hard it is, there is nothing the Lord cannot solve. There is nothing too big for him. You just have to believe. And everything centers around your faith. And that is why when you, when you look at the mustard seed, it's so tiny. But when you see the tree, you couldn't correlate the tree to the seed. And when Jesus Christ said, he was saying that, I, I, I'm going to deal with you. It's going to be step by step. I'm not expecting you to pull down a house overnight. But I want your heart to be right with me. I want you to start to align your way of thinking and that symbolizes your mustard seed. I want you to start to think about things gradually. And there's an old saying that the room was not built in a day. I want you to start to walk. Show me that you're prepared to do things, and I'll take over. God is asking you today, all I want is, throw your hands up and I will embrace you. Your circumstances does not define you. Whatever you are today, it's not the way God sees you. 
in Genesis 1, when he created man, he saw man and he said it was good. As far as the Lord Almighty is concerned, you are a whole being. You're not poor, you're not ill. You're not, you're not hungry, you're not desolate, you're not a destitute, you're not a drug addict. The Lord Almighty sees you as his handiwork and he sees you whole. It's up to you to step up and start to see yourself whole. Brethren, I believe that it's time, it's high time we ramped up the dosage of faith that we'll take. It's high time that we start to call things into being as if they are not. Because right now, we have in us that he who is greater than what we are faced with. Tap into that and begin to see the Lord Almighty walk miracles for you. Luke 4, verse 18 to 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. The ascension of Jesus Christ was the signal that his earthly ministry has ended. It doesn't mean that, that the hope is gone. But God the Father, who lovingly sent his only begotten Son to the world, and now the Son was returning to his Father to bring an end to human limitation. Are you boxing yourself? Thinking there's a limit to what your God can do? Are you looking at things and saying, oh, no, I'm not going to go there? I have come to announce to you this morning that the God we serve is limitless. You cannot put pegs around him. You cannot put him in a box. He is bigger than whatever your situation is. He is bigger than whatever you might be faced with today. All he's asking is for you to have that faith, just like a tiny mustard seed. And when you look at the, the, the passage we've just read, the apostles, they started by not knowing what to do. And Christ brought them back. And having read this Bible passage, I asked myself, what does this ascension mean for us today? Where do we fit in? Because we didn't see him physically. We were not there when he was crucified. But we hold on to his promises that he who ever believes in me will do greater things. How awesome is that? The ascension of Jesus Christ was a glorious fact 
that has a lot of implications for his followers today. We could be here all morning, all afternoon, talking about the implication of his ascension and still not finish it. But I've got a few that we want to share with us that we can take home and think about. One of the first things that happened after his ascension, what he sent us is Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into us and gave us power. Through his ascension, the Holy Spirit came down as he promised. Like on the day of Pentecost, the tongues were like fire. And in John 14, verses 16 to 18, it said, I will pray the Father, and it should give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you, and I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And today, every born-again Christian is able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which imparts us with wisdom and power to live our Christian life. It empowers us to do all things because Jesus, while on earth, his body was a temple of God. And now the temple is in us. We carry the physical temple. We now carry the temple in our heart. Christ is dwelling in us. And the Bible says, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. I think sometimes as Christians, the reason why we don't maybe receive our miracles or we don't get answered prayer is we don't go to God as our first, as our first and last resort. Some of us battered and bruise ourselves. We do all sorts of things. We try to find all alternatives. We're trying to look for things to try and fill those void. And Jesus says, I wait at the door of your heart. I'm knocking. It is there. He's just asking, if you let me in, I will change your situation. If you let me in, your situation will be changed. If you let me in, you'll be made whole. Brethren, I'm asking you today, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, this is a great opportunity. Because until you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you cannot, you cannot lay claim to the Holy Spirit. He said, I will come and dwell with you and my Father with you. Imagine the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit inside of you, with you in fellowship with them constantly. You don't have to look for a pastor. You don't have to look for an elder. You don't have to go to a building. You are a vessel. 
and you carry God Almighty. You're stronger than you look. You're braver than you look. You have what the world don't have. And why, that's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than that which is in the world. Let us start to live like the children of the king rather than the children of pauper. So the Holy Spirit is in us and is helping us to have direct access to the heavenlies. You've got God and Spirit dial. Secondly, by his ascension, we now have an advocate and an intercessor on our behalf in the heavenlies. And as our high priest, Jesus is sat down at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews 10 verses 11 and 12 says, And, and every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. It's like all those comedians just drop the mic. Has he done? I'm done. Pack up. Get ready. We are set free. And our standing with God no longer depends on our actions. It no longer depends on our emotions. But through the blood of Jesus, who, when we call unto God, it doesn't see us as we see ourselves physically, it sees Jesus Christ. And whatever you ask will be done. And Jesus Christ is interceding. Once, whenever you go on your knees and you pray, and he's saying to the Father, look at my blood. I've already paid his sins. I've already done the time for him. I've already cleared the path for him. Whatever is brought to us, we need to answer him. And he's praying on our behalf. And God is doing his mercy for us. And Hebrews 7, verses 16 to 7 said, Who is made not after the law of the carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless lie? For he testified, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We have an advocate in heaven who is constantly pleading our cause to God the Father and intercedes on our behalf through his blood. That was shelled on the cross of Calvary. And finally, his ascension is giving us hope. Hope to try again. Hope to go again. John 14 verse 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We have hope that he's going to prepare a place because they saw him ascended. We have hope that he is coming back, just like the text we read today says. And we have hope 
that when he comes back, he is going to take us with him. Amen. So Jesus is now forever exalted above all creation. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of all our obedience. And he's asking us today, you just lean on me and leave the rest to me. Philippians 2, verses 9 to 11, as I close, says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow, those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. Finally, he is coming back. Brethren, it said to them in the book of Acts that we read today, it said, when the Spirit comes upon you, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world, proclaiming my name. We're not in Jerusalem. We're not in Judea. We're in Dalkit here today. So, brethren, let us get busy. Let us busy ourselves with the work he has assigned to us. Thou kid needs to know that Jesus is Lord. Thou kid needs to know the goodness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says in Act 1.8, But you shall receive power, just like it said, when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. What, what is it that is holding us back? We've been given one commandment. Everything else, he said, is going to take care of. He said, casting your burden on me and do my will and I will take care of the rest. The Lord is going to take care of our upkeep. It's going to take care of our health. It's paid our medical bill. It's paid our daily bread. It's the one that keeps us in peace, but is asking us to do just one thing. And at St. John's in King's Park, I want us to come together with oneness of heart and take the, the word of Lord, the word of God, the Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, which is coming to us into our community and I believe that the Lord Almighty will help us to bear fruit in Jesus name let us pray Father Lord in heaven we want to thank you for visiting us today we want to thank you for your wonderful gift that you gave on the cross of Calvary we, came, we have come to bless you O Lord and ask that Jehovah Lord renew us O Lord refresh us and bring us back to you set us just like you said unto the disciples await and i will empower you father we thank you for empowering us and we ask for the grace to go out there and do your will in jesus name amen